Kip, are you in here? He's back in kids' church. Okay, I'll have to tell him later. He actually set this week up perfectly for me, and he didn't even know that he was doing it. So as he was preaching last week, I was sitting there, and I was giving him air high fives because I do talk back in church. Um, he told this story of Daniel, and he talked about Daniel's plea to God to spare his people. His people were captives in Babylon. They were being, being um, forced to live in captivity. And then he told us about this warrior angel, and he, the way he described it was so cool. Kip, I'm talking about you. So I just want to say thanks. You set it up perfectly for me last week. Um, he told us about this warrior angel who was sent back to Daniel with an answer, but he was delayed along the way by what? Who knows? Who was listening? No one. Okay, Brennan, when I say something and ask a question, what do you do? You respond. Yes. Okay, who knows? We're going to try it again. Who knows what delayed this angel from getting back to Daniel with the answer from God? Yes, thank you, Heidi. A demonic force, a demon. Kip told this whole story, except he left out one tiny little part, one tiny little detail, which is actually what I was going to talk about today. So he kind of kept it a secret, which is super cool. And I want to give you a little bit of background on how we got to this series, Renew, why we're doing this. But in order to do that, I need to tell you a story. I think I've told portions of this to you already, so I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself. But you probably don't remember it anyway, so I'm going to go ahead and tell it again. Back in November and December of last year, I was going through this season where I was really exhausted. To be honest, I had ministry burnout. I just felt like, man, I don't know if I can keep doing this without a substantial break. And I didn't know what that looked like. I think I was freaking out some of the people on my team, specifically Phil, who would look at me with these big eyes when I would tell him this, like, oh, no, don't, you, don't quit. Don't you quit on me. But here's the reality. My mind was just really tired. And it was just full. And it hadn't rested in a long time. And then, in addition to that, uh, I was beginning to believe some things that were not from the Holy Spirit. I was beginning to believe some of these lies that were coming into my mind from the devil. Things like, Heather, just quit. It's too hard. People don't really care that much. It's not worth the sacrifice on your family. It takes too much away from your family. People aren't really being affected for Jesus, so this is just too much of a sacrifice. So you can just give it up. You can just give it up for a while. Maybe not forever, but at least for a while. And I was actually beginning to entertain these. I was beginning to give an audience to these lies. But the reason is that my mind was tired. It hadn't been renewed. It hadn't been refreshed in a while. My mind wasn't guarded. You know, the Bible actually talks a lot about guarding our minds. It talks about renewing our minds. And I think maybe for a lot of you, you can relate to that. Your situation might look different than mine. It might not be ministry burnout, but it might be something else. Can I tell you from just knowing people, I hear this a lot. I'm just so tired. 
I'm really weary. And maybe that's how you feel about something in your life right now. Maybe it's a hard relationship that you're in. You're weary and you're worn down. Or maybe it's a current struggle that you're going through with one of your children. Maybe it's just a a season of weariness that, that you feel like hasn't ended. It goes on and on and on. That's the season that I was in. Can anyone relate to that? Okay, a lot of you. But then over the last few days of 2017, I began to have this strong prompting in my spirit about some things. Like the Holy Spirit was just was breaking through the lies just enough that I took notice. And I went, oh, Lord, I think you're, I think you're asking me to do something. And I began to have this prompting that I was supposed to take a break from social media for the month of January. Now, I know to some of you, you're like, dude, I'm not even on social media. So that sounds like a ridiculous thing. And that's okay. I get it. But to be honest, it was something I'd never done before. I'd never stepped back from social media. I'd never taken a break from it. And then I felt like the Lord was saying, oh, and you're also supposed to ask your husband to do this with you. And to be honest, I didn't want to do that because I thought this is the silly little thing. It's not really like, hey, God told me this and it's this big deal. Would you do this with me? I mean, it it was such a silly thing in my mind. And I thought he's going to think that I'm being like goody two shoes. Not that you've ever made me feel that way ever. But isn't that how Satan works? Isn't that how he works? When, when God, when the Holy Spirit prompts us with something, Satan begins to lie to us about that very thing. He begins to lie to us with our feelings, and we so quickly and easily believe those feelings that we begin to doubt that the prompting was actually from the Holy Spirit. So looking back and now knowing all of the pieces to this puzzle, I know exactly why Satan was trying to dissuade me in this. I know exactly why he was trying to say, Heather, don't mention that to your husband. That's just a silly little thing. So I casually mentioned it to Chris towards the end of the year. Uh, Hey, babe, I think the Holy Spirit's asking me to go off social media for the month of January. So I'm going to do that, but I think you're supposed to do it too. To which he replied, yeah, I've been feeling the same thing. So we did. We actually labeled it a fast. We called it our social media fast in the month of January. And can I tell you that what took place over those first two weeks in January was incredible. Instead of our normal, oh, I was going to bring my phone out, then I didn't. Oh, well, you can imagine it. Instead of our normal go-to of picking up our phone, you know, when you have downtime at kids' sporting events or in the evenings when you're sitting on the couch and mindlessly scrolling through other people's lives, we started talking more with each other, and we started picking this up more, more often. And I began to read some books that began to fill my mind with truth. And then I realized that I was praying a whole lot more. (laughs) 
Because during the day when I would be tempted to pick up my phone and look and scroll, instead, that wasn't an option. So I'd start praying and without even realizing it, I was talking to God and communicating with God instead of looking at everyone else's lives so much more than I normally would be. What God healed in me in those first two weeks of January, you guys, there was some stuff that was in there from 20 years ago. Some stuff that was so deep, buried so deep in me, I didn't even realize that it was still affecting me. I didn't realize I was even still holding on to it. But in those first two weeks of January, because I'd stepped back, because I had created some space, God began to bring them up to the surface and heal me. And I was healed completely, 100% from some relational struggles that I had been going through for 20 years. What God also began to do for us is speak into our hearts and minds. And he did this through some of you. He did this through his word. He did this through some books that we were reading. And he did it specifically to each of us, words that he gave each of us. Some of those words, we're still feeling the effects of those today. We're still walking in the power of that word that God gave to us. And we both, I'm speaking for Chris too because I know his heart in this, we both began to feel refreshed and renewed. My mind was no longer full and overwhelmed, but it was clear and it was ready to continue on in the call of God on my life. Can I tell you this wasn't about social media. It was about removing something from my life that gave me room for God to fill me up with something else. The other thing that happened is that we know that we were both mentally and spiritually prepared for a spiritual battle that this church was about to face at the end of January. And we have no doubt that had we not gone through that period of renewing our minds, of resting, of letting God fill up our souls, I don't know that we would have been able to face the demonic attack that came against this church a few weeks later. We also, our minds were clear and, and filled up with God's presence, and we began to dream new dreams. We began to see new vision. God placed a vision in our heart and in our minds that wasn't there prior to this stepping back away, to this renewal. The Holy Spirit prompted us to step back from something in our lives that was consuming us in order to renew us and in order to prepare us for a battle from the attacks of the devil and in order to plant new vision in us. So instead of looking at our phones first thing in the morning and last thing at night, like most of us do right before we fall asleep, we barely look at them because our phones were not controlling our actions. During this time, I, um, I was able to spend a lot more time reading my Bible, and these two verses popped out, and they were so powerful, and just they really confirmed what the Holy Spirit was already whispering into my soul. The first one is from 1 John. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. I want to be really clear. That does not mean do not love people. It means don't be so consumed with the things in this world that we miss out on what God has for us. 
For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything that we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. Man, that doesn't that just sum up scrolling on Instagram? These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. I love social media, and this is not a message to say get off of social media. I believe it has a place in our lives, and I think it can be a super powerful tool. But when it consumes us, when a craving for everything that we see on that square photo or when a post that we put up so that people will respond to our achievements gets more attention than the things of God, then it has become an idol. And an idol is anything that you put ahead of God. So maybe for you, it's not social media. That's not on your radar at all. But maybe it's a hobby. Or maybe it's a relationship. Or maybe it's a job. It's anything that you let control your mind and actions more than God does. Because you see, what gets your mind gets you. Ephesians 4 says this, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature. Throw it off and your former way of life. And then listen to this. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature. Blake, I love that you read that that verse at the very beginning. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So because of those two verses, and then this experience that I had in January... And the power and the transformation that came from a month-long fast of social media, it created this desire and this drive in me for more. I thought, man, if a short month-long fast of something that was really pretty easy to give up, like the first day it was kind of hard, but then it became really easy. If, if that created all of this, if that experience gave me so much more of God, like I want more of this. And I knew that this wasn't just something for me. I knew that it was something that we all as a church needed to press into, needed to learn about. So I want to teach you about two things today. We're going to talk about renewing our minds, and we're going to talk about biblical fasting. And I want to share with you what I feel like is the uniqueness and the difference of each one, because I think they're similar but different. As I mentioned earlier, every single one of us is in a battle for our minds. Because what gets your mind gets you. Romans 12 says this, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way we worship him. 
Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, renewing your mind. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And there is so much power and so much life in that little passage right there. Here's the thing. We don't talk very much about sacrifice. Sacrifice sounds like it hurts. We don't like to talk about things that hurt. But that's what we're called to do. We're called to be a living and holy sacrifice with our minds, with our bodies, and with our lives. So in January, Chris and I had called our social media break. We called it a fast and in many ways, it was a fast. But as, as I began to dig into the Bible and study, um, get out the big study Bibles and, and um, all of the research, I began to realize that what Chris and I did in January, re- January was really not a true biblical fast, but more of a renewing of our minds. Yes, we gave something up for a period of time, and yes, it did transform our minds, and our lives. And this is so important. The Bible talks a lot about renewing our minds, and it's so necessary for all of us to do this. And Chris is going to go more into depth on this whole thought of renewing our minds next week, but we're told over and over and over again in Scripture to guard our minds, to guard our minds. I think someone earlier even prayed that, like guarding our minds, guarding our hearts and our minds because what comes out of them You know, it really affects the way that other people see us and how we represent Jesus. I think that God God tells us this. He says, renew your minds because he created our minds to be one of our greatest assets. And the devil knows that if he can get in there, if he can get our minds, he can wreak havoc in our lives. And we lose our testimony. We lose our witness for Jesus. So are we continually evaluating what are we putting in? What are we taking in? This was so cool. Proverbs 15, 14 says, an intelligent person, some translations say a wise person, is always eager to take in more truth. Right? Like we always want to know what's the truth. You ask your kids. You know, they're battling back and forth about something. You're like, okay, but what's the truth? What really happened? But then it says, fools feed on fast food fads and fancies. For us, in that season, renewing our minds looked like stepping back from social media for a season and then making it a regular habit in our lives. And as we start to feel it creep back in as a distraction, we like, okay, it's time to pull it out. It's time to step back for a little bit. Is what we're looking at, is what we're watching, is what we're reading, is it filling our minds with truth, or are we fools feeding on fast food fads and fancies? And there's so much of that around. There's so much of that that we can take in and let our minds be full of. Yet I think that God has this storehouse, and it's full of adventure, and it's full of miracles, and it's full of the fullest life we could possibly imagine. But our minds are so full of fast food fads and fancies that we've lost our ability to create and to hear and to be present 
with Jesus. As followers of Jesus, you guys, we should be the most creative, the most inventive people that are out there. Yet we look just like the world because we are full of the world. Our minds are not renewed, but they're weighed down by the trappings of this world, and Satan loves it. Going back to Romans 12, it says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God renew your mind. For me, it was mindless scrolling on social media, but for you, it might be something else. I'm not even going to say the list that I had written down because you don't need me to be the Holy Spirit for you. You need the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit for you. But here's a common theme. No matter what it is that's consuming your mind, that's taking you out of the space that God wants you in so that he can fill you up, all of the things have a common thread, and it's Jesus. Psalm 23 says, he renews my strength. And Ephesians 4 says, let the spirit renew your thoughts and actions. I think this is something we all desperately need to do. We desperately need to evaluate what it is that we're allowing to fill up our minds so that God, we can create space for God to come in and renew them. Okay, we're going to shift gears now, and I'm going to leave the rest of that for you for next week. He's going to go more into that whole thought, pre- thought process of renewing our minds and what it looks like. But we're going to talk now about this biblical fasting. What does the Bible have to say about it? All right, I grew up in church. I have fasted before. I even helped lead a church that did corporate fast at the beginning of every single new year. And to be honest, I never really got much out of them or participated that fully in them. And that had nothing to do with the church. It had everything to do with me. Okay? So hear me when I say, like, this is an individual responsibility. But it is our responsibility as the church to teach you about this and then let you go and run with it. Now, I've seen my parents fast. In fact, I can remember my mom. Where are you, mom? You in here? She's back there. I can remember my mom as a little kid doing fast. She would go in these long fasts. You did legit fast, like nothing but water, right? Yeah, okay. Not cool when your mom fasts. I mean, it is. (laughs) It is. But you have to understand, mom was a treat mom, okay? That means she gave us treats. Like, we'd go out somewhere, and she would be the one that'd be like, here's a little, some M&Ms, or, you know, let's share a Coke. There were seven of us, so we had to share everything. But when mom was fasting, no treats. So this idea of fasting, it's not new to me. It's, it's not something that I'm like, wow. I never even thought of that before. But here's me being super honest with you. Fasting is not something that I've ever done as a consistent discipline in my life following Jesus. 
I, I kind of equate it to this, okay? I kind of think of it as like taking a vitamin supplement. Like, I know they're good for me. I know that I should take them, but I am terrible at taking them consistently. I go to the store, and I'll look, and I'll be like, there are way too many choices. And if you're tall, you need to take this one. And if you're right-brained, you need to take this one. And if you have brown hair, you need to take, and I'm like, I'm out. Too many choices. Or, you know, the omega-3 fish oils that you're supposed to take? No. If I burp up fish smells all day, I am not taking those things. What? Oh. Sick. So I wasn't taking advantage by not taking vitamin supplements. I'm not taking advantage of a very helpful and life-giving supplement, even though I know it's there and even though I know I should take it. We have a deficiency in our bodies that a supplement could easily fix, right? When I had one of my kids, I can't remember which one, but one of them, um, I began to be very, very tired. And I know all you parents are like, duh, like that's what happens. But no, I'm talking like I was so, I could hardly get out of bed tired. So I went in and had blood work done and found out that I had, a v I was very deficient in vitamin B12. And I start taking a daily B12 supplement. And guess what? I started feeling amazing. I was no longer deficient in B12. Fasting is similar to this, okay? I know that I should do it, but I wasn't doing it, and I've never done it consistently in my life. I've done it a handful of times, but can I be honest with you? It was usually out of duty. It was usually because my church asked me to or... I felt pressure because a friend was doing it. So I want to do a quick survey, and there's not a test. I'm not taking notes. I can barely see you, so I won't even know who raised their hands or not. But I want to know how many of you feel like you have a good knowledge of what biblical fasting is? Raise your hand. Hi. This does not count. Okay. A few of you. How many of you have ever heard about teaching in it in ch churches or on podcasts or through studying? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you, this is where it gets a little harder, how many of you would say that you fast as a consistent discipline in your life currently? Raise your hand. Two. Two people raised their hands. How many of you have ever fasted for a spiritual reason? I'm not talking about a medical reason. Ever in your life? Okay, a few more of you. Good. Okay. So I want you to know that when Chris and I took that social media fast in January, God began to stir something in me that I needed to dig into this whole fasting thing, that there was something there that we all myself included, needed. So as I began to study it and I began to learn what the Bible has to say about it, I realized something. I have been missing out on a major source of power in my life following Jesus because I have not regularly made fasting a part of my spiritual discipline. 
And to be honest, I've been really super excited all week because I feel like I have this secret, but it's not a secret, superpower to hand all of you. And I'm just kind of sitting on the edge of my seat waiting to see what we're all going to do with it. Because I think it's life-changing. I think that we may be missing out on some of our greatest breakthroughs in our lives simply because we are not being obedient in this one area that Jesus commands us to be obedient in. In one of the greatest sermons that Jesus ever preached, it's found in the book of Matthew, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, he gives lots of information and lots of instructions, and the Beatitudes are in there, and it's a powerful message. But he tells us three things that we're supposed to do. If you follow Jesus, you're supposed to do these three things, and I want to read these to you. I'm not going to read all of the passage because we don't need, need that all for today. So he's teaching all of these people that are gathered, and he says, when you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. Skip down to verse 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. Skip down to verse 16. And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. He says, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. Doesn't sound to me like he's saying, consider fasting. Or it might be a good idea, he says, when you fast. And I think as followers of Jesus and even in most churches, we do a pretty decent job of the first two. Like We talk about giving, talk about praying. I think most of us do both of those things fairly consistently in our lives. But my concern is, is that most of us, are missing out and overlooking a, dis a discipline of biblical fasting. And this simple oversight is keeping us from major breakthrough in our lives and in our churches. We could be healed of diseases. Our marriages could be restored. Our depression could be gone. Our addictions could be conquered. Our unsaved friends could be saved. Our dreams could be made clear. And our breakthrough could come if only we begin to do what Jesus told us to do, which is fast. There's a story in the book of Mark where a father has brought his son who is possessed by a demon. This boy has been possessed by a demon his entire life, and I can imagine it's definitely ruined his life, but I imagine it has ruined his father's life as well. And the disciples, they're trying to cast the demon out of the boy, and they can't do it. They're unsuccessful. And then Jesus comes down from this mountaintop experience, the transfiguration, this amazing holy moment. He comes down the mountain and he casts the demon out. And later, I can imagine they're all sitting together and the disciples say to him, Jesus, 
Why could we not do it? Why couldn't we drive the spirit out of that little boy? You've told us to go and do these things. You said we had the power to do this. Why could we not do this? And this is what Jesus said. He said, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. I don't think that Jesus meant that only that particular kind of demon could come out by prayer and fasting. I think he may have meant that anything that has held a grip on you for a long time, that kind requires prayer and fasting. You see, this demonic force had been in control of this little boy's life, this boy's life for his entire life. And that is what Jesus meant, required prayer and fasting. There might be some things in your life that you will only be broken free from when you begin to fast. Do you remember that story from Daniel that Kip told? Do you remember how that angel had been held up by a demonic force, a demonic attack? Well, guess what Daniel was doing when he began to pray for an answer from God? He was fasting. At the beginning of that, do- that story, Daniel says this. He said, when that vision came to me, when the angel came to him, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. For 21 days, Daniel had been praying and fasting. He said, all that time I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine had crossed my lips. From the moment that he prayed, God sent the answer from heaven, but a demonic force held up the answer. But Daniel was fasting, and his answer broke through, and he got his answer. The angel comes to Daniel, and he says, Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. He was praying, and he was fasting. If you dig deeper into that text, you'll see that that humbling yourself before God, that also meant that he was fasting, that he was withholding comforts and things that he would normally partake in to spend time with God. For 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Something happens to the demonic forces in our lives when we pray and fast. Satan hates it when we fast. He knows the power of God that fasting initiates and releases. He knows what will happen, and he hates it. And I think maybe that's why there has been this complacency, this lack of teaching, this lack of following through in this discipline because Satan has gotten in our minds, and we've gotten comfortable with our comforts. I think when Jesus said, this spirit only comes out by prayer and fasting, he meant that the sins or the strongholds in our lives that Satan tries to use to keep us from freedom, those are the things that require fasting. Things like depression, anger, sins of addiction, the addiction of pornography, eating addictions, anxiety, Fear, 
resentment, the inability to make decisions, anything that keeps us from freedom in Jesus. And we have this weapon, you guys. We have this weapon of fasting, but most of us are completely overlooking it. It would be like picking up a spoon to fight off an intruder who comes into your house in the middle of the night when you have a loaded shotgun on your nightstand. We're leaving one of our greatest weapons on the nightstand. We aren't accessing the power that is freely given to us because we are too comfortable with our comforts. We're letting our Big Macs and our nightcaps and our sweet tooths keep us from victory over sin. And we will never get that total breakthrough in our lives that I think most of us long for. You see, there are so many reasons to fast, and I would say at the very top is you fast to make room for God in your life. You fast to create space to hear from God and to have a deeper connection with him. That's the most important thing. Fasting is never a weight loss program. It shouldn't be. It's probably effective. But biblical fasting is about a deeper connection with the God who created us. You can fast for healing. You can fast for breakthrough. You can fast for direction from your life. Do you know how many times people say, I, I, I need to make this decision. I just, I just wish I had a clear answer. You can fast for breaking off of a demonic attack on your family. You can fast for sanctification. Sanctification is just the cutting off of old dead things that are in your life. You can fast for a loved one to find Jesus. The, it, the list is endless, you guys. If you tell me a worry or a fear or a battle or a struggle that you're going through, my answer will now be, have you prayed and fasted about it? Because if you're looking for breakthrough and you haven't done both of those things, you might be waiting a while. And I'm asking myself the same question. If we had time today, I would go into all of the stories that the Bible has that talk about people who fasted and what happened because of that, but we don't have time. So instead, I'm just going to give you an all-star lineup, okay, of some of the people in the Bible and what took place in their lives. And before every single one of these events happened, they were fasting and praying. When God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, right before that, Moses was fasting. When Jesus began his public ministry for three years here on earth, he had fasted right before that for 40 days. When Paul and Barnabas went on the first mis missionary journey, which we just heard about, and the gospel began to be spread all over the world, they fasted. When Nehemiah goes before the king and he's asking to rebuild the city, rebuild the wall for the people, for Jerusalem to once again be a safe place for the people of God, he fasts. When Esther goes be before the king, Queen Esther, and she's going to plead with the king to spare the lives of her, her people, the entire nation of Israel, she calls a fast to all of her people. It says, fast. 
pray and fast before I go and make my request to the king. When Daniel sees his people brought out of exile from Babylon, he fasted. When Chris Taves called my dad and said, I want to marry your daughter, you know what he did before that? He fasted. It's not a secret in the Bible that God moves for his people when they fast, when they pray and fast. There's a lot of significance in the Bible with the number three. I thought this was really cool. The Trinity, we have God the Father, we have Jesus the Son, and then we have our helper, the Holy Spirit, right? Three in one. On the third day, Jesus rose up from the grave. And then in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says this, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. I think there's a reason that Jesus gave us three things from the Sermon on the Mount to do as followers of Jesus. He said, give, pray, and fast. And it's time we start using that third weapon. So I know some of you are saying, okay, you talked about renewing our minds, taking things out of our lives that clog up our minds and our ability to hear clearly from God, and now you're talking about fasting, so what's the difference? Well, from how I understand it and how I've read the Bible, biblical fasting refers to refraining from some sort or all food for a period of time for a spiritual purpose. There can be fasts from other things, but from everything that I've read, biblical fasting is removing food from your life for a period of time. So what are all the details of this? Well, the Bible has a lot to say about it. We can't go into all of it today. I wish we could, but there'll be another day for that. There's significance to one-day fasts, to three-day fast, to 21-day and 40-day fast, and there are lots of resources that we can help you with. Chris is going to talk about one of them in a minute. That If you want to learn more about this, especially if you want more knowledge about what biblical fasting looks like, we can help you find that. There's a couple things people have said to me. One of them is, well, I can't fast because I have a medical condition. That's very understandable. And you want to make sure that you're under your doctor's care if you do any kind of an, uh, an extreme fast, if you have a medical condition. But here's the deal. You might not be able to go on a complete fast, but I don't think that's the point. The point is, is that everyone can fast something. When Daniel fasted, it says he fasted meat and bread and sweets. I don't think the details of how you fast, what you fast, for how long you fast, I think they're way less important than the condition of your heart when you fast. Fasting is private. Fasting is between you and the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will show you how to do it. He'll show you what, he'll show you when, and he'll show you for how long. For some people, it might be a day, a month, maybe a day a month, and they do nothing but water. For some people, it might be fasting sweets for a month long. I, I don't know what it looks like for you, and I'm not going to give you any of those boundaries because that's between you and the Lord. 
Matthew 5, 6 says this, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. And I never before thought of that as actual food and drink. But I wonder if that's maybe partly what he meant. Because that comes right before the passage where he says, give, pray, and fast. I wonder if God is also saying, when you give up some things physically, when you have a physical hunger and a physical thirst, and you create that space in your lives, I am going to fill you up. I'm going to fill you up with my presence. I'm going to fill you up with righteousness, and you will be satisfied. You guys, we fast because we want more of God. We forego things that fill up our flesh so that God can fill up our souls. Fasting shows God that we're willing to make a sacrifice to see him move in our lives. Fasting breaks us out of our ruts. It breaks us out of our worldly routines. It breaks us out of our habits. And when we fast with the right heart condition, it can change anything, anything in our lives. And I want to end with this because I think this just says it all. Would you stand up on your feet? As I read this scripture, this is from the book of Isaiah. And he's first talking about how the people have been fasting in the wrong way. He says, shout with a voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud, don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and they seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. We fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We've been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You must humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance and bowing your heads like reeds bending in the weeds. You dress in burlap and cover yourself with ashes. Is that what you call fasting? Do you really think that this will please the Lord? No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who are in need of them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then 
Your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then, when you call, the Lord will answer, Yes, here I am. He will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your fingers and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then, your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will continually guide you, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls. Can we give God some praise? <laughs> 